In this episode, Mark Nassif, Chief Operating Officer and Chief Financial Officer at Lookout, explains why finance should always be selling, emphasises why CFOs today are expected to shape company strategy, and underlines the key role of data in directing decision making. Hi, I'm Ross, and this is the CFO Playbook where each week you'll get insights from world-class financial leaders to help you grow your company, yourself, and face the challenges required of today's CFO. Okay, Mark, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, thank you for having me, Ross. Mark, I'd love to start by exploring a little bit of your of your background and, and the journey that you've taken, because you've taken numerous, over a, over a lengthy career, numerous leadership positions, but not always within the finance domain. So some of them have been chief financial officer, some of them have been chief operating officer, and you've also had sales operation leadership positions as well. Can you speak a little bit about how you've ended up uh, navigating that journey between those different roles? Because it's not just been from one to the other in a single direction. You've often alternated where different opportunities have arisen. So how, how did you end up taking that journey? Yeah, I have an interesting background in that I have kind of jumped from one to the other and back and not, you know, started in finance. Always, you know, I started my career at KPMG as a financial auditor, like many of us do. And one of the things that I just like business in general, right? So not only the accounting aspect of it, but just, you know, how do businesses operate? How do they run? And so throughout my career, I've always been looking for, you know, how to learn more about businesses and then apply your financial knowledge to it. So I think that's an important part of, you know, anything any of us do is truly understand how business runs. It's easy to look at something from a spreadsheet and put a number on something, but understanding how businesses operate and run and then applying the financial aspect to it helps. So I've enjoyed uh, you know the operational aspect, everything from running a sales operations team. Early on, I was in the uh, more of a general manager in a business. And I just, again, I've enjoyed it. And But it's more about learning how things are working and then applying that financial background to it and helping the management team really set the direction in the course for the company. One thing that many guests that we've had on CFOs have mentioned is that they really see themselves and the, and the company rely on them to guide the, the direction of the company, not just do the classical core financial uh, capabilities and manage that, but actually think about the strategy, advise the CFO, uh, the CEO and, uh, and help figure out how to, how to grow the company uh, and run the company. In your role, you've got the nature of you're both CFO and COO, so you're, you're, you're on both sides of it. So how, how do you balance the demands of those two sides? You know, it's it's interesting. In the historically, CFOs have been the finance guy, and I think as you know, as we've progressed, we are now more strategic. And I, I think the reason why is that you, in order to really make those decisions that are going to impact the company, you not only, you have to understand the financial aspect of it, but you also got to understand the strategic aspect of what you're trying to do and balance those two. There's risk that you have to take at times, right? And they might not be, you might look at it just, if you looked at it just from a financial perspective, you'd say, yeah, we shouldn't do that. 
But if you think about the strategy that's involved, then there's some risk, right? But, you know, kind of that risk and reward, there's times where you're going to make that decision to go after that reward. From a calculation perspective, it's calculated to say, yeah, we should be able to do that, so let's go after it. Um, and we'll take that risk. We can afford to take the risk. It's always about being able to afford something as well. You can afford to take the risk, so let's take that risk and go after that business opportunity that's important to us. You know, the finance and the, and the operations, again, you go back to applying the financial aspect to anything we do in business is important. And so just as you look at everything you want to do from an operational perspective, whether it's, you know, whether you want to move to the cloud or you want to build your own data center, whether you want to invest in a, another engineering project and what's going to come from it, uh, whether you want to build out your sales and marketing team a little faster all of those things require both a financial view of the world as well as, you know, how are we operationally going to get that done? You know, saying that you're going to build a, let's say, you know, you want to build out your engineering team and go after another project. You know, you got to hire those folks. You got to bring them on board. You got to educate them as to what you're trying to do. And then you have to manage them. And that's a whole process that's not only about how much money is it's going to cost, but what is the, you know, what else do you need in place in order to, to make it as efficient as possible as you bring these folks on? And every project is like that. So, Mark, then you mentioned, so you have to bridge this world where you, you know, understand the core financial aspects of decision making and running a company. But then you also need to think about the, com- the strategy and how to operate it and, and execute your skill set historically, of course, you was in the financial side, your background in accounting and so forth. So did you need to fundamentally develop new skills and, and, and not almost grow significantly personally in order to become an effective CFO within companies with that, with that type of responsibility? Yeah, I think that I continued to grow new skills, learn new skills, and then apply them. I'd say new skills, it's, you know, that learning aspect. I think we learn, you know... If we think we know everything once we get out of college or even after our first job, right, I'm I'm into my probably sixth job in 30 plus years of experience and I learn something new every day about business. And it's because, you know, one of the things you have to, you know, the communication aspect of what you're doing is not only, you know, talking, but listening and trying to understand what the organization is trying to accomplish, and I think that's really, you know, what you what you have to do is spend time with each one of the different um, functions within the company and understand what they're trying to accomplish and how it fits in with the strategy of the rest of the company. And then th- ask questions, you know, what about if we did this or, yeah, but we said, you know, they, they told me over here that we we're going to, you know, we we're thinking about it in a different manner. And so really a lot of that learning is more is the communication uh, between the different organizations and making sure that all of you are on that same page as you move forward. But with that point of asking questions, that it's obviously important to do so and you need to actively listening to what people respond with. But again, in your position, often people don't tell you the hard truths. And they tell you maybe what they want to want you to hear, or they tell tell you perhaps a, a lighter version of of what the the brutal reality, whatever that might be. How do you cut through to what is actually going on and what's actually happening and how people actually think? As you gain experience, you learn. I, I think there's a few things. One is is that a lot of what we do in the financial world is we kind of do comparisons year over year, quarter over quarter, 
Right. And so remembering, right, just the fact that you're always communicating, you're saying, well, you told me this and you did, you know, you told me X and you did Y. We had a plan that said we were going to, you know, that we should have grown by this percentage. Your original forecast was that percentage. And now we're here. And, you know, so how do we get there? I think the communication you have with your colleagues isn't about why we didn't do something or or, you know, you met, you made a mistake or you didn't do what you were supposed to do. But, you know, what happened in keeping, you got to keep people accountable and keep them focused on, you know, this is what our goal was. Did we get to that goal? And then, you know, you, you again, you ask those subtle questions, sometimes of different folks as well, right? Not only just, you know, not only just my peers, but also you go down a level or two and you understand what's happening further, you know, down in the operations of the company to basically get to get the brutal reality, right? Because most of you, you're correct. Everyone wants to sugarcoat things for you. And you, you, at the end of the day, I think if you're all marching in the same direction and everyone knows it's not about, you know, that I'm here to blame someone or say we didn't do X. It's why didn't, you know, why didn't we get the results that we were looking for? And what do we need to do to modify what we're doing in the company? Not only in one organization, you know, it's easy for sales to, for someone to say, you know, sales, you didn't make your number. But if engineering was supposed to deliver a product or a feature that was going to help sales get to the number and they didn't do that, right, then how would you expect sales to get to the number? So really it's, you know, a big piece of it is understanding the big picture and connecting the dots within those in holding people accountable to what the goals were, right? And staying focused on, no, no, this was the goal. Why didn't we get there? Let's dig in and understand how we did, what, what went wrong, and then what we can do to improve it as we go forward. Or on the flip side, if you exceeded the goal, right, that's great too. Were we a little too conservative, right? What did we do right? Can we continue to grow at this rate and what are the things we need to do? If the answer is yes, what are the things we need to do to make sure that the company and all the functions are there to support that growth? And you mentioned sales there. And of course, you've been a sales operations leader uh, on at least at least one or two occasions. Has that experience when you were leading sales operations and so close to the sales side of the business, has that adjusted or changed your outlook again as a, as a CFO and financial leader? Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I think f- finance people, accountants, right, we always like to say, oh, they, you know, sales did this or they didn't do that or they make too much money or they do this, right? And I always, you know, one of the things that you learn to appreciate is, you know, selling is not as easy as one would think. If it was, everyone would sell, right? The other is that, you know, you have to, if you don't sell you don't have a you don't have a business, right? I, I always tell my my finance team and my accounting team, it's like, listen, if we don't sell product, right, then we don't collect money, which means we don't we're not going to have a business. So we need we as well, right? Although we're gonna you know we're gonna count the money and everything else, right? We need to help you know our sales team as an organization. The whole organization should be out selling because that's how you know the more you sell, the better your business is. And so I think understanding that and working with the sales organization to understand the challenges they have in with their customers, again, helps you be a better executive. 
because a lot of times I'll go back to my point, you know, when they, if you miss a number, it could be because we didn't deliver a feature. You know, the quality of your product affects the sale. The, the ease of utilizing your product, you know, positively affects the sale. So truly understanding in the front lines what happens and how a sales organization interacts with that customer helps you think about, you know, how do you change or design processes and procedures internally in order to make sure that you're a customer-friendly organization. And with that in mind, you've, you've spoken about the importance of being close to the business, understanding, in this case, the, the customer, the, the buying or the selling process. And the many of the, the core financial skills, while still important, are, are only part of what's required from your team and, um, and from being in a finance role. So with that in mind, has the type of profile that you're hiring and building your team through, has that changed over time within finance? It has. I think that what's important in, in all of finance and accounting is that the organization understands, you know, the product, the customer, and, you know, how we go to market. And again, the product, I'll go back to, you know, this was in the 90s. In the late 90s, I joined an organization and uh, we were a manufacturer. I think I tell you, I was always curious about how businesses run. So I went to the vice president of manufacturing and I said, can I bring can you walk me through the manufacturing floor? And by the way, can I bring my finance team and accounting team with me? And he said, yes. So we went, the whole team went down. We went down onto the manufacturing floor, spent an hour and a half watching and seeing how the product was uh, was built. I had a woman come up to me after that tour and thank me. And she said, Mark, I've been here for 15 years. I've never been on the manufacturing floor. And she was, you know, she collected, she was in AR and, and, you know, invoicing and collecting at the time. And so she was, she said, for 15 years, I've been invoicing people for product that I had no idea what it looked like. And so it's important, you know, I mean, one, it's, if you think about that in the world of manufacturing or even in the software, understanding the product helps you understand and connect the dots and have an appreciation for what you're doing on the accounting or finance side to help that business. And how do you then, you mentioned this, but how do you then replicate that process in software? Because in manufacturing, of course, it's a tangible physical good. You can you can walk people through that. But in software, sometimes you're building a software product for a persona, for a person who's very different to your own. So you don't really have that experience of what, it, what their challenges and their problems are. I think that the way you replicate it there is, again, the, between the product organization and or the sales organization, they can, you can ask them, as I always like to ask them, you know, can you dumb it down for me? So in other words, you know, tell me, walk me through what this, what this technology, what this software does, how one of my customers uses it, how it helps that customer. And sometimes you just whiteboard it. Um, you know, on the, uh, you know, you draw it up on the whiteboard and you just have that conversation, right? More again, not in when we won't sit here and talk about debits and credits, right? But you want that conversation to just show me how the customer uses the product and that, that will help. And then beyond that as well, you're, you're alluding to the, the idea of being close to the different departments and different people in, in the organization. And one of the themes that comes up again is the importance or maybe increasing importance of business partnering, of finance being a partner to different teams, particularly engineering and marketing and sales. Is that a philosophy that you subscribe to in the way that you run your team? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. The, I think that's a very important aspect of the business. If you think about everyone, the different disciplines within a company, you know, engineers aren't finance people. Salespeople aren't finance people. They don't, we all think a little differently, which is why we have different, uh, you know, we do different jobs within the organization. So, but how do you make sure that you connect those dots so that we, you can ask the, you can ask a question and have someone think about it differently than they normally would, right? And I think that is the benefit of putting finance people close to the business. We have financial business partners that sit with the different executives and their teams. And when you think about budgeting and planning and, you know, budgets to actuals, what happened? And as we think about planning to the future, the finance people were challenging, right? They're part of it. So they start to understand what that business, what that aspect of the function within the business is doing. And then they start to ask questions with their financial background and again, it, it creates a different level of conversation and it gets people to think about things maybe the, the way, you know, in a different way with the goal of having a better outcome. But I always ask, I always say, listen, if you don't ask questions, right, if I may have an idea and uh, but just because you, you know, <clears throat> you're working in my organization or you work for me doesn't mean my idea is right. So, you know, I, I always encourage a discussion to ha- to ensure that when you are done, we come up with the right answer. Because again, we all you know, no one is always one hundred percent right. And so, encouraging folks to have that conversation gives again you maybe a different viewpoint, right? Just a different way to look at something. But when you're done, you hopefully you're coming up to with an answer that one everyone supports, and two is the right answer for the company on a go forward basis. And I think just bringing finance to into the business and being able to have these any types of conversations where you're thinking about things a little differently, and challenging each other, you end up with a better you end up with a better decision, and therefore a better you know something better to help the company. And and would that be something that you would typically place within your FP&A team? It would. It would be. Uh, it would be the FP&A team that would uh, would drive those conversations. Now. You know, when we go and close the books and really do a, a review of the financial numbers, it is both FP&A and accounting. So the goal is that even the accounting team understands they may not be as close to the business, but go back to they understand the business so that when the numbers come out, they can appreciate what it means. And but I, I think for you, I, well, I presume that for you to do that properly, because there's lots of departments that you need to cover around the business, all of them. And often I think that FP&A teams are heroic teams under immense pressure to analyze things and tight time scales with, uh, with so many people that they need to engage with. That business partnering that you're talking about can often be really tough because they don't have the time to do it. You know, so that's when you get into what's the best way from a process perspective, number one. Number two, also from a system perspective. You know, what are the best ways to do it? Because if you're on top of your business and it's happening every month, it's not a quarterly, it's not once a year, right? But you can't, you're constantly part of that business. So, you know, the finance team sits with the marketing team or sits with the sales team and the engineering team, and they're part of that group. It becomes, and in, in it's a constant and a regular process. It's just part of what you do so that it's actually not as it's not that hard because you're not playing catch up. You're part of that team and being part of that team, you have that knowledge. So looking at numbers and and analyzing them 
are much easier, right? You know the team, you know how many people they're going to hire, you know why they're going to, what roles they're hiring for, where they want to spend their money, so that it just, it happens. It's not as if you build it into the culture and make that, you know, and again, that finance person is looked at as part of the engineering team. It's an easier, it makes it a lot easier for them to to analyze the numbers and report out. Within 10 days, we, we report, you know, we have all financial information, you know, readily available every, you know, every month within t- 10 days with a forecast because it's just a constant update. And then that gives that immediate, like, real-time, per se, well, not real-time, but very close to real-time uh, view of the business. Mm-hmm. Yes. I always say, it's like, if we, here's our forecast, our forecast for the quarter, to me, that's where we should end up. And just tell me, you know, I'm looking at deltas to where our forecast is. I don't believe in, I need to understand what happened this month, right? I'm looking at a quarter or a year, and that's what I'm focused on. So, are we going to, you know, because again, I could pay a bill, you know, or have a service done in 30 days earlier, 30 days later. What are we doing for the quarter, right? Let's look at, you know, let's look at a quarter, six months, 12 months, and always understand it from that perspective. So you're trying to almost exclusively look forward rather than backwards? Backwards, yeah. yeah I mean, you always, you, you do your analysis and you look backwards. And but you gotta yeah you have to look forward where are we going, right? You learn from the past, apply it to the future. With FPNA in mind, the other challenge that's often faced, and, and again a theme that's come up, is the with the proliferation of data from almost every source. There's a huge opportunity to garner insights that we wouldn't have been able to get in the past. But that means that there's Two, you need a technical skill set that might not have been required in the past. And then secondly, you need just more time to be able to, to get to the root of many problems and offer those insights. Is that something, that, again, that you've seen in, uh, in either where you are right now with Lookout or, or in previous roles? In matter of fact, I've taken it out of, let's say, FP&A. Your financial planning and analysis folks, they're, they're working with the business every day managing the data, the spend, et cetera. You have, I have a small, you know, data team that looks at all types of data analytics and analysis and, and, you know, creates them. We create all our different KPIs, all our different analytics, and then we use those to work with the FP&A team, right? So, and, and, you know, and we, again, constantly learning, constantly, you know, analyzing interpreting the data, learning, and making decisions to move forward. But we have a small team that we have because there is so much data. And, you know, data data is just that, is data, right? How do you make it information? How do you make it something that you can you can use to, to progress your business forward? And so we have, I today I have a team of two that is helping us do just that. And presumably that's a, that's a highly technical role. It's someone who is, yes, very, I say very analytic, understands the business and has a very analytical uh, mindset and relatively detail oriented because you got to dig into yeah, that, that data. In past jobs, I've had as much as six to eight people on those roles helping to, uh, to determine uh, or to, to analyze and help us understand everything that's going on. Which presumably is a sign of the value that you place on that. Yeah, I, I mean, again, if you, <laughs> information helps you run a business. And so, you know, one data point, you need many data points, you know, and you need to take data and make it actionable. And so that team helps you do do that. 
and it's very beneficial to the company as a whole. In that area, well, cutting, I guess, straddling across both FP&A and that, and that data and analytics team, what role does technology play for you in trying to, again, get to those insights faster and, and, and provide the team with more time to be able to, to analyze the business? It's a key part of, of that technology, again, because, you know, how do you, you, you want to look at the data five, ten different ways, as many different ways as you can to see, you know, to look for the good, the bad trends that uh, that will help you manage the business. And so, you know, you need um, the tools, you know, a lot of data analytic, tool, analytic tools in order to just keep, you know, slicing and dicing the data into to something that's meaningful for us to take, you know, take action. You know, whether it's, you know, you need a, a database full of data, you, you need, to, you know, because again, this data should just, you're, you're constantly adding to it, doing analytics year over year, quarter over quarter, looking at customers and what they've done over a period of time. There's so many different things that you can look at that you need. You need a good, you need good tools in order to, uh, in order to do that. And then from the, again, another theme that comes across is that there's data that, of course, helps with that analysis, but there's also an increasing use of automation and a, and a whole industry raft of solutions that are supporting with that. It started in sales and marketing and, of course, has always been in engineering, but now is going into core g areas such as finance. So is that something that, again, that, that you see within, within your teams and within, uh, within Lookout? Yeah, we have constantly looked at, you know, different tools to make us, you know, uh, much, you know, to make us efficient. Um, you know, it's interesting, just uh, yesterday, I uh, I got a call from someone, they, you know, it was an accounts payable, you know, we got an accounts payable tool. And it's like, you know, we can help read your invoices. And, and I said, well, I said, that's good. But we implemented a tool where, you know, the customer, right, we, we open a purchase order, and then the customer will upload their invoice into the uh, this tool so therefore the matching is done automatically and is done with you know the customers you know by uploading their information it the matching to the po is done automatically this guy was trying to sell me something that you know will make it easier for my team to match i'm like yeah we don't do that anymore right <laughs> and then once it's matched it can move on to payment so i said uh, I, I said maybe you and i should chat and you know i can teach you how to do this and the guy <laughs> I get them off the phone anyway. But that was, you know, I mean, those are some simple things, but there are many tools out there now. Sometimes there's too many tools. Everyone's trying to sell you that new tool, right? So um, it is, we constantly look at different types of technology to make the team more efficient. And then because the, the more efficient we are there, the better we are at analyzing data to help the company move forward. And presumably, like you, your team are incredibly stretched, so you you need to prioritize. And so you're focusing on one, two, or three of your biggest problems. So what what are the problems that you would prioritize to use automation and technology above all others? Yeah, the um, <clears throat> and and it depends, right? But I, I think a lot of it is one is automation to help us better understand the business. The other is automation to help to make the team more efficient. So we will, you know, we, and we kind of balance those, you know, again, I have a small team that looks at the data and how do we, you know, slice it and, and understand it so that we can make the business um, more efficient as well. 
But then the the accounting and finance team is they look at their role that they're doing, right? And whether it's, you know, so you think about revenue recognition today and all the contracts you have to look at. There are tools that help you go through a contract and provide you with a summary that's pretty accurate, right? So we'll look at the different things that we spend time on, you know, every, every six months we sit and kind of look at, okay, what are the things that we're spending more time on? And are there tools out there that make sense for us? And that's more from a work perspective, you know, from productivity of the accounting and finance team. And then the tools to, you know, again, where can we gather more data on the business so that we can then interpret it? And so we'll do that as well. So there's two pieces. And with that type of analysis where you're you're looking at those problems, you're thinking about where you might explore the, the greater use of technology, that requires a certain skill set, which is kind of bordering on what would typically sit within IT. Do you partner very closely with your IT leaders and, and experts to help you with the, the selection and implementation of that technology? We, we do. It's a lot of the finance technology, though, is, uh, again, looking at trying to solve one of our, you know, let's say uh, bottlenecks. So we'll look at, you know, what is, you know, are there two or three different tools out there? And then we'll look to the IT organization that how do we deploy this? A lot of things now are deployed in the cloud, right? So in a matter of fact, we do most of what we do today is in the cloud. And so really it's we're looking at the IT and our InfoSec, our security organization, to say, hey, you know, is this, we would like to use this tool. Is it safe and secure so that we can use it? So we're looking at it, you know, in, in today's world with IT, it's more in we're working with them in that aspect because we're no longer building, you know, we, we no longer need a server, um, you know, on site with access, right? It's in the cloud and it's really working with, you know, is it secure enough and is it easy enough for us to, to deploy in, uh, from an IT perspective? Mark, as we are um, drawing to a close, I, I wanted to ask um, a question I often ask guests, which is that for anyone that's listening that perhaps as an aspiring CFO would like to get into that position and is looking to develop themselves and their career in that direction, what advice would you give to them so that they could be successful in the in the role of CFO given the demands today? One is be curious, right? Don't, you know, don't think of a CFO job as just looking at numbers. Go understand and learn the business that you're supporting. Um, I think that's very important. To truly, to truly be a good CFO, you have to understand the business that you're supporting. And so, you know, be curious. Go ask questions. Interact with the different functions within the organization to understand what they're looking for, and take some risk. Right? There's, you know, apply the knowledge and the the experience you have. Understand your business. Take some risk, and keep learning. We never, we never know everything, right? So listen, you know, talk to people, kind of make those interactions with, have interactions with other CFOs and uh, continue to learn and take some risk. A very, very sage advice for, for anyone that's listening um, to this today. Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Um, it's been brilliant to have you on. Ross, thank you for having me. I very much appreciate it. One last thing. If you have a question you'd love to ask a guest, visit cfoplaybook.fm and submit your question there. This show is brought to you by Soldo, the brighter way to manage business spending and expenses. With Soldo, you can control every expense. 
track spend in real time, automate financial reporting, and then use those insights to fuel growth. Learn more at soldo.com.